0: Welcome to Digital Soul Food. I'm your host, Jason Wallace, and I appreciate you checking out the podcast. Help your boy out by listening to the entire episode, subscribing and sharing with your friends and family, and letting everyone know this is the next great pod. So part three of this Black Women in Tech series, I'm speaking with Bari Williams. She is a lawyer extraordinaire and now the COO of Bandwagon. Um, And we're going to have a great conversation about uh, diversity in tech, how we can be uh, better partners with each other, how these companies, these big companies um, should be starting to cater to us. Um, and then also some sports and you know a couple other things. So uh, if you're ready, let's get to it.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. <laughs>
0: Back to Digital Soul Food, I have Bari Williams, COO of Bandwagon with me. Bari, thanks for dropping in. Thank
1: you for having me, Jason. And Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. Um, <laughs> Feliz Buena Noche for all my Latinos out there, uh, like myself. So Bari, you know, we're big on the origin story here from Digital Soul Food. So can you kind of, you know, give us a quick, you know, one or two minute origin of, you know, how you came to be and how you gained your superpowers.
1: Ooh, are you talking about Negro solstice? My Negro solstice (laughs) superpowers? (laughs) I'm
0: talking about the superpowers before Negro solstice.
1: No. Okay. So, um, born and raised in Oakland and, um, fun fact about that, the hospital I was born in, I actually had both of my kids in as well. So, Yeah, everyone's going to probably be in Oakland until they die at this point. (laughs) Um, Hopefully they'll branch out and live their life in a larger than a 10 mile radius than I did. Um, But born and raised in Oakland, um, I think what really kind of enhanced my superpowers is being raised around strong women. Um, My mother and my grandmother and my grandmother's sister, they were all teachers. And so uh, I had a friend that he does unconscious bias training and he wrote an article based off of a, a training that he did last week and it was it was called when when did you have your first black teacher and when he gave it to me to read i, I actually chuckled because i'm like I, I was born with a black teacher <laughs> so did, didn't have an option um but I think being raised around strong women and then um, when I went to high school I, my mom gave me the choice between three schools and I actually chose the all girls Catholic high school, which I think surprised her but. Um, yeah I chose to go to holy names high school where young women exceed expectations and that was a fantastic learning ground in order to not be afraid to raise your hand debate things have a voice. And I just kind of took that with me. Um, went to Berkeley for undergrad, went to UCLA for a master's, got an MBA at St. Mary's, and um, and then got my JD at uh, Hastings, which is the alma mater of Vice President-elect, and so are Kamala Harris.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yes. I won't ski wee on you. Uh, nice. That will just break all, all all the eardrums of the listeners. Um. But yeah, so that is kind of the origin story in terms of how I got the basics. And then after I graduated from law school, went to a law firm, did tech transactions, and then went in-house at a bunch of different companies and um, ended up at Facebook and did legal strategy and licensing, privacy, supply chain, um, contracts to build drones, lasers, and satellites, and also built a supplier diversity program while I was there. Um, and that was a side project I was doing for two years on nights, weekends and my maternity leave. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But it, it it I I wanted to see it happen. And I knew that if I didn't keep going, even when I was on maternity leave, nobody else would pick it up. So but I'm happy now that I did that and they want to do a billion dollars with diverse suppliers over the next two years. So my work was not in vain. Um, from there, I went to StubHub and was head of business operations for North America. Um and now I'm a bandwagon. I'm very, very happy.
0: No, it sounds like a great, great path you took and, and slightly circular, but I definitely can see the the through line, you know, from the operations perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Oakland native, Oakland raised, 49ers or Raiders.
1: Oh, come on. I mean I, I, at this point, I don't even want to talk about the Raiders because they they are not here anymore. So my husband is he's also born and raised in Oakland, and he still watches every Raider game. And I'm like, dude, they're not here anymore. They are the Las Vegas Raiders. But they've
0: been. To but ghost. They've been in Oakland. They went out to LA. They came back. Like you know, they've they've you know they're nomads.
1: Yeah, I mean I I get it. It's a it's a cash grab. You're going where the money is. And there's going to be a lot of money, and once outside opens again, with you know transient populations, if you're there for the weekend and you want to go see a game, that's real easy. So I get it. I just can't applaud it.
0: So you're like, nah, I'm that's it. I'm, I'm over it. It's a wrap.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have a team anymore. The only team that's actually left in Oakland are the A's, and I don't like baseball, so <laughs> that means nothing to me.
0: It's like, what's this? What is this for? Uh, I think the last time I was in in San Fran, I actually went to the Raiders game. I want to say they played the Rams. It was uh, 2018 opening night and Beast Mode scored. And yeah, it was an awesome game. Like one of my friends, we were going to watch in the bar and she literally was like, yo, like, let's see how much tickets cost. And we just got tickets and we just, you know, jumped on a BART, went out there. My first time I was there, so it was a great experience. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and then I was going to go back with my dad to the Giants game, because my dad's a Giants fan. We are going to go out there uh, when they played, um, they played the Giants, see OBJ played. I was going to be his his last time playing, and then he got hurt, got injured. So mm-hmm. we, and they started sucking. So we were like, eh. <laughs> nah, I don't think we want to go to that game. Nah, no, thank you. Um, all right, so I'll
1: say the Giants, the the Giants day, the AT and T Park has really good food. So when I have been made to go to baseball games, I go for the food, and if I'm gonna go, the Giants, that that, that Giants stadium, they have good food. I'll
0: definitely take that under advisement. So still a Warriors fan? I see you got the Warriors hoodie on.
1: I do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to not, you know, hard to not love the Warriors. I was a Warriors intern my senior year at Cal, and that was the year that they hosted the All Star weekend mm-hmm. when Vince Carter put his whole arm in the <laughs> rim and won the dunk contest. Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been a sports fan my entire life. My dad was a sports agent, so it was hard for me to not kind of just naturally gravitate towards that and so love the Warriors even when they were terrible um, still trying to forgive Chris Webber for leaving us because that's when it all went downhill for like 15 years and but
0: he got traded didn't he?
1: but he demanded that trade <laughs> alright yeah he 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 basically was pulling a, what James Harden is trying right now and yeah, so he left, um, and it was bad for like 15 years. And then we got the, we believe team. Cause Baron Davis is, is a G and then there was a drought again. And then we got Steph and clay and Dre and you can't, can't, can't be too mad. When I've been to three championship parades in one decade.
0: As an, as a, as a Knicks observer. Yeah. I,
1: you
0: know, not observer I'm, I'm, I'm an observer um and i had to live in my fandom because you know it started to be an abusive relationship where you know very toxic where it's like yo uh what are we gonna do this year we're gonna lose again uh we're gonna tank this year too yeah nobody wants to come come play for us because our ownership is crazy all right um but i think this year we're gonna be fine i think we let these kids develop i think you know eventually we'll be okay um, but you know, New Yorkers, New Yorkers have this—we have this um, fantasy or, or this this dream of going back to the '90s of the Patrick Ewing Knicks. And Ooh,
1: yeah, and um, oh, I can't remember what was the point guard's name. He had a little flat top. John. Oh, Greg Anthony. No, 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 John. What is oh, it? Starks. John Starks. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I used to yeah. love to see them face off with the Bulls. Loved it.
0: Yeah, that was a great. That was like one of the greatest series, you know. My mom's a Bulls fan. Like Jordan is her third son, so, you know, it's, it's, it used to be tough back then, you know. And and then she adopted Kobe, and then now she's adopted Steph. So, you know, we always have this like um friendly rivalry. You know, I'm a LeBron guy, so she's when she completely dislikes because she thinks he's too arrogant and cocky. I'm like you, <laughs> you, you're defense of the but most arrogant, right? No, right? Like yo, you like Jordan, Kobe, and Steph, three of the most right, like, hockey area players sick. I've ever seen play, and you, you got beef with LeBron? Like that's where it stops. Okay, cool. I hear you. Uh, so, what do you think Golden State's that's gonna funny. be this year? Like, how do you think the season's going? You know, we just started game one mm-hmm. in the books. We got this is where 71. I just hum
1: <laughs> Negro spirituals because. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I really don't. Um, yeah, I just, I know I walked in the living room the other night and my husband was watching it and then it, and he was kind of like watching it through his hands like, the, like, I was like, yeah, this is, they're down like 25 points. Why are you even watching this anymore? <laughs> like, it's a fourth quarter, they're down 25 points, like, go to something else. You're just torturing yourself at this point.
0: Definitely shows the value of Clay. I think. You know, he's the glue. Oh, totally does. He's definitely the glue. Um, Draymond not so much. I'm not, I'm not too high on Draymond, but ooh, ooh. I think I think he is, I think he he has a place. Uh, but I don't think he's I think he has a higher estimation of himself than he really is.
1: Um, so I, um... <laughs> I, you know what? Give me one second. I'm gonna come right back, and you are going to die at what I'm gonna show you.
0: Is it a Draymond whoopee cushion?
1: This is a Draymond pillow that lives on my couch <laughs> next to my four Drake pillows.
0: <laughs> so you, which your head everyone in my house
1: hates. Everyone in my house hates these Drake pillows. Like hates them. Um. One I have is a sequin Drake pillow, and you can flatten it and it'll turn all black. So, if my son is not doing that, he's doing it very creatively and turning him into Batman or giving him an afro and an extra long beard and making him look like Mac Dre.
0: That's what's up.
1: Yeah, but he's like, Why do you have this?
0: (laughs) That Draymond pillow is awesome. I
1: love Draymond. I love Draymond. He gives me like new millennium Charles Barkley.
0: I can see that. Yeah. Nah.
1: And you know, Charles seems to think he's he's better than he was as well.
0: Charles was—I <laughs> so, say Charles was amazing in that he was six four, and if that, and he was always playing above the rim. Like he always played bigger and bigger than who he was. Uh, I think I do think the dream team experience changed him where I he realized it. like, yo, I need to, A, I need to be better. I need to, I need to play better. I need to be better. And then B, I need to get out of Philly because I ain't never going to get anywhere with these guys. Um, and so once he went to Phoenix, you know, he, for a couple of years, they took off and he got injured. Now, even with the injury, they wouldn't have beat the Bulls, but you know, he was, you know, he's, his place is, he, he's secure. But I think Draymond I like Draymond's energy. I do think he's not everyone can be a super superstar. No one can be like that guy. I mm-hmm. think he's I think he's a glue guy as well. Like, like for the team of what he does, I think he fits perfectly for that, what that team does. Like yep. does that translate to other teams? That's that's the question. That's always been kind of like like you are the perfect player for your team and your system.
1: Well, I well, I think I might look at it differently in the sense of you could almost look at Draymond in the same way that you look at Matt Barnes. Like everybody, every team needs an enforcer and Matt Barnes has been the enforcer every team he was on. And did he necessarily play well in all of those teams? No, but he made sure that his people weren't getting hit and Fouled and everything else, and I kind of—I think that's kind of how I would look at Draymond. Is like that—that's probably the same type of role he would fit in and be in.
0: That's okay. I I can see that. Definitely, I can see that. Um, my the guy I really like though from the Bay Area is Dame Lillard. Um, oh yeah I, I am a I am a Trailblazers fan. Don't, don't tell the Knicks guys that. Um no, nah, I love Dame. Like I love Dame's game. I love the way he carries so I love the way he carries the team. Um, uh, but also I'm a Melo, I'm a Carmelo fan. So when they gave Melo a second shot and he went out there, you know, he's doing what he's what he had to do, you know, really made me it kind of just crystallized, like, yo, all right, that's definitely gonna be our West Coast team because you know they're 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 coming.
1: Yeah, and I love every time. As soon as it gets towards the fourth quarter, and he starts hitting big shots, and he just hits his wrist, and like it's Dame time, like yay!
0: Now nah, he's definitely also it.
1: another Oakland, Oakland-born and bred.
0: Yeah, no, nah, and he and he holds it down. Like he he holds it down all the way around. Like you see him always repping Oakland, always um, in the community giving back. You know, the summer. You know, watching the march. You know, in in Oakland. Um, You know, definitely respect that. So, Uh, but let's switch gears a little bit. So, you know, talking about, yeah, I was talking about the summertime, talking about George Floyd and talking about everything that happened. You know, uh, your experience has really been kind of like in the tech space and and you've been kind of focused on uh, the diversity piece of it. So, you know, we've been trying to go through and understand better, like how can black women break into that space so you have any thoughts on on what the space looks like now and potentially what it could look like in the future Given more more yeah i
1: think and i'm trying to not be a complete cynic with this but you know i have worked at some large tech companies and i've heard the rhetoric i'm heard you know people making pledges and what they will and won't do or they're oh we're really going to invest this much money into black founders or we're going to spend the next two years trying to increase our percentage of you know black senior managers directors and above to x percentage and it's like well but who is holding you accountable for that if it's internal accountability that means absolutely nothing you need somebody on the outside that is going to push you and hold you accountable. And my bigger issue with all of this is, um, for the company that I, I previously worked for, and I was head of legal there until, um, maybe well, till basically this month. <laughs> but um, the one of the founders left, and he started a layoff tracker when COVID hit and it's called layoffs.fyi. And some of the companies were, they had the names of the people that they had laid off. And if you just glanced at it, and you you don't have to be a psychic to look at some of those names and discern that these are people of color and women primarily. And that was March, April, early May. And then once everything happened with George Floyd, then it became everybody now everybody cares about diversity well you just laid off all the diverse people on your staff yep (laughs) so how about you hire them back if that's really what you care about it's like you don't care about that what you want to do is write a check and say that you're doing something that's philanthropic and move on and that that isn't it like that ain't it you need to give money and invest in actual founders who have these companies, like black founders get so little money. And then if you want to talk black women founders, they get 0.2% of all funding. There's, I think there may there, I can't remember the exact stat, but I think it is 30 black women that have raised over a million dollars in VC funding, which is ridiculous because white dudes can just show up, don't even have an MVP. They can just show up and they have a debt that they made the night before and get a million dollars. And when we do it, you have to have traction. You have to show that people are using it. You have to show like, what is your customer acquisition cost? All of that stuff before anybody will even entertain giving you a hundred thousand dollars. So it's just a complete imbalance. And to get in a space, for me, what I really want to see from these companies and from VCs is a more committed approach. Like, I think a lot of people thought this was a moment and not a movement. And I kept saying, like, people were like, oh, no, maybe it's really going to get some real change now. I was like, yeah, talk to me after the election. Like, I want to see if people are still talking about this after the election. And turns out now you have two black men killed in Ohio within weeks of each other. And so now yeah, you're still talking about it because you're still killing us. Yeah. But what I don't want to see is you just write another check and, and you know, make some empty pledge. Like actually do something.
0: Yeah. And that's 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 a the that's kind of where I, I got to is like, you know, you a lot of it was performative, you know, like a lot yeah, of it virtue was, signaling you know how we you know we're you know we're committed and it's like, okay so if you're committed then like how are you making these changes how are you gonna how are you who are you hiring mm-hmm. um how are you what's your pipeline look like you know mm-hmm. what kind of training are you put, are you putting through um, my friend kelly she started this initiative called the black dollar initiative where they're actually going in and they're analyzing each company um each Fortune 500 company based on how diverse their board is, their senior leadership, and you know senior man- in their management, and they're you know they're making it public. So that I think is going to be they're launching it pretty soon, and so um, that's going to be impactful, I think, because we need to have we do need to hold them accountable. Um And you know from the tech space, like there's a there's a company uh, called Entre, mm-hmm. so they do they do a lot of, um, they have a lot of, of um, founders come in and they do these pitches all the time. And so I, every time I like jump on, check out the zoom it may be like one black person, <laughs> like every 15 or 20, you know, founders. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's a guy. Um, and they do ask the women like the tougher questions. And it's like, it's, and it's clear and it's obvious. Like why, why does she have to again, jump through those hoops when the, the guys are like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a cup. And if you put the water in, it makes the coffee and you can drink it. It's like, oh my God, it's a brand new, I'm like huh like,
1: huh? <laughs> we- like, oh my God, look at this innovation.
0: Right, we already did it. Like, that's not innovative. Whereas like this one woman, she had a um, she had a line of, she was a runner, she created these gloves and they were to keep your hands warm and they're pretty good. But then she started creating masks and she didn't really know that the masks were gonna take off because this was still early in, in the, the, the whole COVID thing. So she was like, yeah, I'm just creating masks for people to run. And as a runner, I'm like, tell me more. Cause that's what I need. Right. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't need gloves. Um, But they were giving her so much flack about her gloves and not really helping her get to the point of realizing the real money that you're going to make is with these masks. Yeah. Because, you know, I have probably like 12 masks easily, (laughs) you know, and two or three of them Mm -hmm. I used to run. Um, But the point is like, no, there is this difference between, how you know black people are treated in in the tech space versus white people, and you know it's like how do we get to that equity? How do we get to that point of you know you are looking at us as the same way? Because you know we drive trillions of dollars you know in, in in this economy. You know we spend the money, we're the consumers. So at one point, are we going to get that the what, what point are companies going to realize hey? Yes, you know, you are my 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 demo, and yes, I'm going to cater to you. Yes, like I'm going to start making these products, you know, so that we have you in mind, and Mm -hmm. it's not a that's not an afterthought. Uh, So, what do you think beyond? What What are some things you think we could do uh, from a company perspective to kind of keep? uh, We could do as people, as as consumers, to keep those companies accountable, accountable.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing that you can do is, you know, since we're just coming off of an election and we're going into another one, if you live in Georgia, (laughs) but it's, it's almost, it's, it's akin to voting with your pocketbook, right? Voting with your wallet. So if I stop using your products, then what are you going to do? And also something that is super interesting, Nielsen had a report, I think at the end of 2017 or um, early 2018, where basically said that Black women are the, are global trendsetters. So if we say something is hot, then it pops. And if we don't mess with it, then it doesn't. So... If we decide that we're just going to keep our coins to ourselves, or we decide to keep our coins and give them to Black founders and Black companies, that's very different. And I think what's interesting about that, my grandfather used to always have this, um, he would always make this point, And I, I don't think I really got it because when I f- remember the first time he told me, I think I might've been like 10 and, you know, 10 year old sixth graders don't know anything nothing so but he was saying he was like there was something that was lost once integration became the norm in the sense that we no longer patronized black businesses like we didn't go we didn't use the black bank anymore we didn't use the black insurance company we didn't go to this tailor we didn't go to this store we didn't shop in this grocery store we didn't do those things anymore because it was like, oh, well, instead now I can go to Sears or I can go to you know, Wells Fargo or I can go and patronize this gas station or this insurance company. And I didn't think about that until years later. And I was like, yeah, there is something to be said for that. So I think if we tried a, a new version of that, and once the larger companies kind of understand that they will have to kind of reckon with the idea of that money being gone and also the power that it holds
0: yeah to your point you know i live in a neighborhood where we have a large uh, asian population and every day they go to Chinatown and they buy their groceries and they come back yep and I lived right next to a supermarket, like a huge grocery store. And it, at first, you know, it, I was confused because I was like, why would you get on the train, go across the bridge, you know, travel to go to the markets when you can go right here and get the same, you know, the same vegetables, the same food, but the re- but then I, as I got older, I realized like they're shopping in the community. Right. right? And they're, they're, Patronizing in their community, and they're putting their money back into their community, and that dollar keeps circulating, right? And so, here in Brooklyn, like my my uh, my friend Marlon Rice, what he did this summer um, with having the um, once they put the Black Lives Matter uh, mural at Restoration Plaza, he started to create you know um, weekly activities where because it was closed off to the to traffic and you know his thought was like yo like we got to keep putting money into the community you know we get these small businesses get them you know getting us patronizing each other because that's the only way we're going to win mm-hmm. um and so you know even this winter time like we did he did uh we, we were outside I sold my book out there um and then I worked in a fashion show for like one of my friends she has like hiphopcloset.com and so like helping each other you know mm-hmm. as you know help each other's businesses grow um important as well, but I do think that 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 is something that we kind of should have to shift, but then you get the questions of All right, I'm going to patronize a black business like Telfair, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> yo like all right, I ordered my bag on November first, and
1: You're right and like why is it Christmas Eve and it's <laughs> not here.
0: And it's not going to show up until june something it was crazy what was this like okay well your bag you can order your bag for christmas um it's not gonna show up until next april here's a card that you can give to person
1: april though
0: (laughs) yeah it was it was it was was a super long like it was a crazy long time it's like april may but here's a card that you can send to give to the person to say hey
1: for Uh christmas
0: i got you a (laughs) telfer bag that's not gonna come until may so just hold tight
1: No, no, no. Did I mention no? Cause no, (laughs) that is, that's actually hilarious. I mean, but I guess there's something to be said for self-awareness in this case, right? Like, you know, you're not going to have it. I ain't got it and I'm not good for it until May. But to me, I would think that maybe you should hold off on taking orders, Mm-hmm. until you actually have inventory. Um but that's like anything else, right? It's like we are not a timely people, whether you meeting somebody for coffee or you ordering bags, like it just it's just not it's just not on time. Um but it makes so it harder. That, yeah. And that that is sometimes the the what you have to do in terms of the cost of doing business. Like if I want to patronize this particular restaurant, now that those are the worst offenders. It's like, oh yeah, it'll be ready in 20 minutes. An hour later, I'm still sitting there. And like that literally happened to us on Thanksgiving. So day before Thanksgiving, we always order um, a jerk Turkey from this one Jamaican spot here and it's delicious and normally when we show up cuz they give you a, a time slot to come and pick up your food it's always been ready and this year uh my husband went down there and he <laughs> and he took both of our kids and for the time slot and you know just presumed it was going to be ready cuz it has been the last 3 years he <laughs> called me an hour later and he was like you know I'm still sitting here and don't have no food I was like oh Hmm. Okay, well, uh you can't leave till you get that <laughs> turkey. So <laughs> I don't know. You might want to pull out, you know, make Start your phone a, a, a Wi-Fi hotspot. Give them some tablets because you can't come back here with no turkey.
0: Start playing games on the phone. The kids are probably like, "All right, I'm something."
1: Yeah, but I was like, but that's the thing, right? It's like you want to make sure that even if you're doing business with someone that it's still going to be professional and it's completely unprofessional to tell somebody to show up at 10 15 in the morning and then they're still sitting there at 11 30 in the morning empty-handed like that's not how you do it so which is why we are did not order it for christmas even though we usually do that too like yeah we'll just make a lamb
0: yeah, now it's it, it is a challenge because again we we want to patronize our own, but we gotta we gotta get better as as business owners. You know, LLC Twitter will tell you no, that we need to be, uh, you know, <laughs> we need to we need to divest ourselves from the the greater capitalist capitalistic world. But it's like, yo, but you gotta you gotta be timely with it. You know, you have to be professional. You have to be, you know. The same service that I'm I'm gonna expect from, you know, ordering at I don't know, Popeyes. That's the same thing I expect from you. So, yeah. you know, with, why is there any difference? You know, and not just because we're black and it's like, okay, well, you know, I'm your boy or I know you or you know, we we brothers we sisters in the in the in the cause of the struggle. So, you're gonna be all right. Like, nah, like, be professional so that we can patronize you. We can then share share. You know your business with more of our friends because then that's a reflection on us. Like yo, like I went to that store to get the jerk chicken and get the jerk turkey in. It was five hours later. I could have put one in in the oven myself
1: at that point. At that point, yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah. That I mean, I think that that is something that we're really good about word of mouth, whether something is good or bad. And what's interesting is um, I had to, that's a whole different long story. I had to replace my car. Um, and I did it this week. I did it on Monday. And what was interesting is we were done at the dealership and the salesman, he was like, if you don't mind, would you leave me a review? And I was like, sure. Great. And he made a point of saying, he was like, the people who always leave a review are the people who are mad. It's like, but if you have really good service, sometimes people just forget because they're happy and they just drive off. Mm-hmm. It's was like, but the people who do not like what happened to them or how a negotiation went, they are, those are the people that always leave a review. So, and I was like, yes, that's, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Bad news travels faster than good news. So if you like a business and you're patronizing the business, you know, leave a review tell somebody else, spread the word, say this was really great. I enjoyed the service here. The food was good, whatever it may be. Um, And that's how we all end up winning. But I think, yeah, to bring it full circle to my grandfather's point, I think there, there was something lost there and we stopped patronizing each other's businesses. But I also think that because of that, that's probably why people got so lax and why you find that you don't have services necessarily as good anymore.
0: From a tech perspective, do you think that is also prevalent? I mean, I know there was that, um, there was that one try at moving everybody over to a quote unquote black Twitter because people were feeling that Twitter was not, uh, catering to us. Yeah, And someone created, I can't, I think it was, was it Blitter or it was something. It was something yeah. close. Yeah. And, you know, the experience just was not the same. Um,
1: yeah. To say and the least. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you have to make sure that the service that you're offering is at least comparable. And if it isn't, people are going to, they're not going to use it. They might try it and then they try it and, and discern that it's not comparable and then they go back to whatever the original was so it's much the same thing i, I think we'll see how this kind of plays out more too because everybody like, i have my whole thing about clubhouse and i kind of wish they had stayed in beta a little longer and didn't open the floodgates because now it's like 200 people on there and the entire vibe of the app has changed to me. So, and I think that you're going to see something similar. Twitter is going to do something called stories or, or no, no, no. Is Faces? Yeah. Faces.
0: They were, yeah. They, they launched that beta.
1: Yep. And so doing that, it's like clubhouse light, but you, you can control the number of speakers, but you cannot control who comes in and listens and that to me is a whole different beast because there are many many more users of twitter than there are people on clubhouse and Mm -hmm. i still am not going in a room and raising my hand to make a comment if there are 1200 people in that clubhouse room i don't know y'all and i'm not gonna get vulnerable and tell you anything that has to do with anything (laughs) so and that's even to me that's exacerbated with the idea of twitter doing that because it's millions of people. Yeah. And yeah. the other thing that I don't really like about it, which I think is also interesting, for as much as people have talked about, you know, diversity and inclusion and caring about all that stuff, when Clubhouse opened up the floodgates, you saw a a kind of a version of digital white flight. Like a lot of those, a lot of the VCs and the tech people and the white users, they started doing that stuff in private rooms and you can't get in there if you don't know somebody or they don't pick you to to join the room. So, they're having these conversations and I always look at it from the standpoint of Hamilton, right? Like you want to be in the room where it happens. That those are the rooms where people are getting deals, getting investments, finding co-founders. And then on the other side of town, on Clubhouse you have how to get a sugar daddy in ATL. Ma'am, I do not want this is not the kind of content I want here
0: then <laughs> why is this popping up on my feet you know uh like
1: why are you think i want this
0: <laughs> or the or the moan room like 250 like like no like i don't like i don't care i don't want that but i do want to hear i do want to hear stories i want to hear you know i have talk about directing right mm-hmm. i want to hear those those because that's for me that's what i, I want to do is direct film so i want to hear those stories i want to be i want to get into those rooms and so from an algorithm perspective, it's like, you have to really be uh, very intentional with the rooms you go in, but you gotta find the rooms,
1: right? And exactly. So it's Well, and the other thing about that now is that they don't have like a good search function. So you have to scroll, 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 scroll to find rooms, unless you also are, um, and some people are better than that and they they're organized and they'll say, well, we're gonna have this discussion at this time mm-hmm. on this day. But some of that stuff is just organic and pops up. Yeah. And if you get tired of scrolling after like two minutes and there's still more rooms to keep scrolling through, you're just going to say whatever and close the app.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you get so many notifications. At some point, you know, I'm just like, all right, who else is here? Oh, okay. All right. This person just like, I mean, I literally, looking at it right now, I have like 40 people have joined that you know they're like, hey, do you want to follow them? I'm like, no, like, you're yeah, really? <laughs> like, <I'm> really, just.
1: <laughs> you. I'm fine, they
0: yeah, are really like MBK giveaway, like, what's that? Like, there's just some rooms here. Um, but I do think, but I do, I do see as a, it, and it kind of like makes me feel, I guess, weird. Um, uh, the way Twitter always seems to be trying to be the catch-all for everything, right? So it's like, okay. Instagram started the stories, oh, we're going to do fleets, Mm
1: -hmm. like,
0: okay, clubhouse pops up, oh, we're going to do spaces. What makes Twitter great is the base use of being able to share our conscious thoughts quickly and and interact with each other in that linear fashion, Mm -hmm. not going off into like, I don't need to go into a, a space have a conversation like literally everything that you see on clubhouse and every other social media platform comes back to twitter and so you know i don't i don't see it as like and it's weird that they can't understand that it's weird that that they don't as much as they try to put an emphasis on us as far as as far as how black twitter quote-unquote black twitter uh drives the platform it's like you guys still are not catering to us Mm -hmm. you're still not doing what makes the are the best practices for us. You know, you have your Blackbirds and you do all these cool things, but like no one, we don't need spaces. We don't need fleets. Like I don't even to be honest, I don't even have those things. Like I just got voice notes, <laughs> like literally. Like I just, I thought it was cause I had an old phone so it couldn't update all the way. Cool, I got the 12 Pro now and <laughs> i finally got a pro i finally have one island on them now so i'm like no nah, this is dope phone i love this phone like i can't i'm not your friend like um so i finally got voice notes cool i get the top of my scroll like i don't have fleets i don't have any of those things so in one way i'm like that's great because i wasn't gonna use it anyway but then on the other side I was like okay well then are you limiting my experience based on who on 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 you know what i tweet and who I, who i interact with like how is it how do how do we get this to be more uh you know widespread? How do we get this have these same, you know, experiences? Um and then but then to your point, like how do we then look at it from the other perspective of I am trying to get to the point where I understand how VCs think, I understand how I can connect to these different investors, how I can get past the black Twitter wall, get past get past the wave to get into the ocean of the regular, the rest of the world. Yep. You know, uh, get off, get off Black Island, basically.
1: Not Black Island, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> get off, get out, get out of our own little world and, and go off into another world. How do I get there? Um, I think the other question. Yeah,
1: I, mean, I feel like that is actually a very interesting point, And it's something that I noticed when I was at Facebook. And I remember um, in August 2014 it was like two completely different news feeds. If you were a black person versus one of my white colleagues, you had, they had nothing but ice bucket challenges and I had nothing but Mike Brown with a couple of ice bucket challenges sprinkled in, but it's, you even are segregated on the internet. Like it's, (laughs) it's wild. It's people choose their tribe and like once you select it, that's it. But, and it's interesting that you say like Twitter is a catch all for everything. It's like, I had somebody message me, literally sent me a Facebook message at like six o'clock this morning. And was like, happy holidays. I hope you're well, you haven't been on Facebook lately. And I was like, yeah, because I'm not like a 75 year old school teacher trying to find <laughs> my old students. So I <laughs> noticed a 75 year old school teachers trying to find the students. But, like yeah facebook is basically where did my mom and her friends go at this point and even my mom isn't on facebook so i was like I, i spend more of my time on twitter and sometimes on clubhouse but i just don't facebook is where you get like if you're looking for articles or interesting things or news you're gonna get it like five days after it's already happened so that just isn't the platform that I vibe with anymore it didn't used to be that way but that's where it's trending which is why they're spending more and doing more in terms of like with instagram so that's where younger people are going but even then it's just thinking about it and you have so many different types of platforms and what it, what do you want to use them for and how and your point about twitter being a catch-all it's like yeah you can have you know, Instagram now has disappearing messages. You can have disappearing messages on Twitter. Now you have Spaces, which is basically Clubhouse. You had Periscope, which was basically Facebook Live. Like it was everything Mm -hmm. in one place. And do you, but do you need all of that? Like, no, you don't. Yeah. It's like, if if you want to be, I I don't know for me. And I look at this, even from the standpoint of in every industry, but particularly in tech is like, If you can be good at one thing and master one thing, ride that wave. But, and I look at it even just from the standpoint of being a lawyer is, you know, I've had people ask me like, oh, can you help my cousin with his DUI case? Or can you look at this real estate loan? I'm like, I I don't do every kind of, this is not a buffet. This is not like a lawyer buffet. (laughs) (laughs) I do three types of things. So, that's it. Like, if you need a transactional contract, something to do with supply chain, something to do with just like reviewing your contract, your employee handbook, your terms of service, your privacy, got you. You talking about DUI defense with your cousin? I, I can. I'd have nothing to do with that. If you want him to go to jail, ask me to ask me to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you have okay. You have a custody battle. Yeah. If you don't want your kids, ask me to help you write that. But otherwise it's like, it's the same idea. You don't need Facebook live and Snapchat disappearing messages and Instagram and all, all on one app. It's just, it's overload.
0: Yeah. And that's, and it's, what's interesting is the purity of WhatsApp where it it has just been, yeah, it's, it's stayed the same. And so, You know, you can communicate with your, like my best friend, he lived in um, Germany for like years, right? So we would literally just talk over there, you know, like that's how we communicated. And seeing how it has not evolved, you know, added GIFs and the video quality is better. Like my friends who are Android phones, they're like, yo, like hit me on WhatsApp so we can send pictures back and forth Mm -hmm. and videos. It's like, and it's encrypted. Like you understand, like they know what they have and they're like, yo, this is where we are. But it's interesting because they're owned by Facebook. Yep. And Facebook has bastardized Instagram to the point of like, <laughs> you know, this is another try to be casual, try to be Facebook light. Yep. And you know the the joy of you know seeing the pictures of my friends goes away because I'm only seeing maybe five percent. Um there was a, someone, there was a post early this week where some, um, someone shared it, like, hey, Instagram reached out. was like, you know, you're wondering why, you know, all your likes are down, everything's down, here's why. <laughs> it's like, you need to be doing reels. Like right now they're they're waiting reels higher. You need to be doing stories. You need to post, you need to do like three posts a day. You need to post like X amount of times per week. You need to post, you know, at these different times and you need to use everything, every single, you know, aspect of the app to get your get you back up in the, in the algorithm. And it it's, makes no it's sense- It's not because, a job. Right, like- <laughs> exactly, it's not my job. Like, I'm just, I'm. oh, it's snowing outside, let me take some pictures of the snow. People like that, all right, cool. Like, you know, I had a kid, like, let me have, you know, let my friends see the baby. Like, that's what it was for. And getting past that, getting beyond to, you know, not to monetize it. And I definitely see as a, as an author, like it's, there's definitely ways I can say, okay, yeah, I want to sell my book, but I don't need to do 15,000 different things for someone to see my post. Like I should be able, if I have 2000 followers, like the 2000 followers should see it, not 20. And it's frustrating from that perspective of, of, of wanting to be part of this whole social digital world, but then feel like you're excluded and feel like you've got to pay to play.
1: Yeah. You've got to basically game the system in order to do that. But all the things that you described, that sounds like a part-time job. And like, I don't really want to do all of that. At least for me, the way that I use Instagram, it's for personal use. It's not to sell my book. Um, but when it came out, I did have pictures of it. and But my Instagram is is still private. Like I don't, I'm not, it's not public. So everyone can't see it. Um, and partly that's because my mom is, stalks my online footprint. She reads, she will literally go on, she does not even have a Twitter account, but she will go on Twitter, read my tweets and then text me about whatever I tweeted. If she disagrees. That's hilarious. Yeah, and I'm like, you don't have anything else to do right now? Like, literally nothing? She's like, well, I ain't on I'm sure Facebook. I'm like, Judge Joe Brown show or something on it you can be watching. <laughs> but, yeah, it's I use it for personal use. And so the idea that it's going to basically give you like a progress report and tell you your likes are down by X percent because you aren't posting this many times a day and this many times a week. And you don't use stories, and you're not responding to people's messages timely or whatever. Like, just you no. Know, that that would be enough. Like that would turn me off.
0: Yeah, it, it it definitely it's annoying. And then I I was a first adapter on Instagram, so my my name I have is mess, and so I constantly people are constantly trying to hack. People are constantly trying to hack me to to basically steal it, and it's the most annoying experience in the world of, you know, seeing, you wake up, you see like five emails like, we're sorry, you couldn't get in. We're sorry, your, your password, and I'm like, oh, shit. Or like the three times when my SIM card was disabled so I couldn't do, you know, two-factor authentication. So I had to go and get oh. a new SIM card because that's the next way to, you know, keep me from getting back in. It's just mm-hmm. so annoying. Um, and it just makes your experience like, like, you know, like, why am I even posting? Why do I even care? Um, but I would say as, but then as a, as a black person, as a Brown person, how do I get into that? How do I get into Facebook? How do I get into Instagram? How do I get into one of these companies to try and help guide that experience or, or be one of the thought leaders that can say, Hey, 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 like, this is not the way we got to follow Grogu and make that the way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think if you want to work at one of these companies, you also have to understand what some of the trade-offs are going to be. Um, And I remember when I got to Facebook in 2014 and there weren't other Black people in legal, like none. So, what I did is decide that whenever a role came open, I would just try to refer other Black people, typically Black women. And when I left, there were, I think, f- five. So it it worked out. Um, and but even after I left. I would help people kind of reorganize their resumes because I know I, I learned what it is that the recruiters are looking at, how they assess whether you have a certain skill set or you could do, you know, the job. And my thing, was I'll, I'll, I would always tell people the order of the the bullet points when they're giving you the job description and what the role responsibilities will be, that's how you need to reorganize your resume to demonstrate how you fit each of those bullet points. And if you don't fit one of the bullet points, then you need to make sure that you have an analogous argument that says, okay, I didn't do X, but I did Y, which is very similar in terms of blah, 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 blah. So think about doing it that way. It was, you know, who who's interviewing you? Um, let me know who's the hiring manager. And then I'll see if I know somebody who knows that person because it's not one of it's not one of my original people. So I'll ask somebody who's still there and say, hey, can you do you know this person? Like, are they cool? What are the kind of things that they ask? Um, I did that earlier this year for another black woman and called one of my old colleagues and he hooked it up and she ended up getting the job. So it's also making sure that you use your network. And my thing is like, they do this all the time. They back channel and they use their resources and their network all the time. We can't be afraid to do the same thing. And in this case, it's always, I always tell people too, like make sure that you don't just, and I love my people. But you gotta branch out when you get in these companies and make sure that you have allies. And so that person who helped this, this black woman get that job was an ally. He is not black, but he likes me and we still are friends. And I was like, hey, I need you to do me a solid and, and see if you know who this is and what they're gonna ask. And he did, and then put in a word for her just based off the strength that i said this person she she's a solid person so that's the other thing too is like sometimes you have to you have to have a very discerning mindset in terms of who is actually going to help you and who is really just trying to fact gather and get information and isn't going to actually be beneficial for you mm-hmm. cuz there are lots of people who i call it tech can also be what i call nice nasty I'm not going to say nicey cuz I'm not going to do that to Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice nasty. It's people that will smile in your face and then will you know, try to downplay any type of any type of significance you may have had on a project or uh, a product or anything in a meeting that you're not in. But then they'll come out of that meeting and smile on your face again and ask you if you want to go to the cafeteria and have lunch. So You need to be sure of who are those people versus who are the people who are going to be your allies where it's like, if I call you and I haven't worked there in three years or three and a half years at this point and say, hey, I need you to do me a solid. They got your back. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I've definitely experienced that uh, passive aggressive corporate culture. Oh yeah. Uh, It's it's nasty. Um, But I think one thing that, um, I was speaking to, I was speaking to one of my friends about this, and the, the point that she made was we don't stay in corporate long enough to, like we get burnt out, like we get we get, we're done with the company. We're like, yo, we can't we can't fight the forces. You know, it's like it's like Jon Snow at the Battle of the Bastards, and he's seeing this wall of people coming at us, right? And so, what she said was, if we can stick it out we don't build our legacy. Like we don't build, we don't bring in people. We're not there long enough where we can start building people underneath us. Referring people to come in, building up our network and you know, creating that stickiness so that like even if we are the sacrificial lamb of, all right, I'm gonna take this L, I'm gonna suck it up. But I'll make sure at, before I leave in 10, 15, 20 years that I bought in X amount of people and then they bought in X amount of people and then they bought in X amount of people, you know, like, like a code, like the Belichick coaching tree, right? Like how do we, we, we need to get to that point in Mm -hmm. these companies because, you know, it's at some point we have to change the strategy, the marketing, the, you know, everything that, you know, these products and services and, and you know that are sh- supposedly focused on us <laughs> we need to be able to to make those decisions and you know to your point with hamilton we definitely need to be in the room where it happens mm-hmm. uh all right so before i let you go where can where can we find you on beyonce's internet
1: on <laughs> beyonce and drake's anyway. don't maybe go get the drake sequel pill too <sighs> ah, i know Everyone hates it. That's fine. Um, I am and I have a Drake ornament on my tree. That's new. Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm I'm committed. I'm excited
0: for his 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 line with Nike though. I I am interested to see how that goes. I think it's gonna be good.
1: I am too. I think that that's gonna be very interesting. And my husband is a hater. He was like, Drake is nothing about Drake says I'm athletic. So of all the people you can give a Nike line to, you pick in. And I was like, leave it alone.
0: Drake is Drake's line is the evolution of the Kanye line. Like that's what Kanye would have wanted, would have, would have had had he just relaxed and
1: right, sat there and ate his food. Right.
0: But uh, but Drake has enough connections in sports and in his culture. You know, Nike, Nike yeah. is. Nike is shifting, you know, sportswear is more for this culture, so yeah. you know, it's it, it's fine, it works.
1: Yeah. Well, you can find me on Twitter and feel free to at me unless you want to argue about Drake not being good um, or if you want to argue that Sacramento's in the baby because it's not otherwise don't at me um, but if it's not one of those two topics my Twitter, it's Bari, B-A-R-I-A Williams, all one word. And Instagram, it's my name, but it's Bari.A.Williams. Um, yeah. And my website is the same thing, BariAWilliams.com. Got
0: it. Any last words for our listeners?
1: Yes. Um, don't hustle backwards and... Stay hydrated, drink lots of water.
0: Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Bari. Definitely um, some good advice. Definitely stay hydrated. Um, can I add a little bit of uh Coquito to that or no?
1: Um, I mean, you can, but that's probably why you're gonna need to hydrate more.
0: Got it. It's <laughs> the season.
1: Uh, yeah, it is.
0: All right, thank you I def- Definitely appreciate you joining us. Happy holidays.
1: Same to you. And thanks for having me.
0: Uh, thanks for coming on. You know, we definitely wanted to hear from you. I wanted to hear from you. Um, and I wanted to get your thoughts because again, this has been a important topic for us for 2020, but I think it's gonna be definitely um, relevant for 2021.
1: Oh yeah, because we have to keep we have to keep pressing. Cause these people are gonna act like none of this happened and they're gonna suddenly forget that they made these pledges and that they're supposed to give all this money to Founders and companies and nonprofits, and we have to remind them, like, no, you said, like, exactly. I got it right here. You said it right here on this date. <laughs> exactly. It's
0: like we got, we got to pull out the receipts. I thank bari for joining us today, sharing her love for her Golden State Warriors and um, her Draymond Green pillow. It was actually pretty cute, uh, but I was 22. And, you know, just dropping you know, a lot of knowledge for us. You know, I think the conversation really was uh, focused on how we can be better as Black people for each other. But then how can we get into these tech spaces? How can we um, influence the conversation? You know, I think she said it best. How do we get into the? We want to be in the room where it happens. How do we get into that room? Then how do we bring others in? Um, and so, you know, it's the end of the year. Hope everyone has a great holiday. Uh, stay safe. And uh, we'll see you in 2021. Peace. Thank you for coming out.